Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. It was 2013, October of 2013, if I recall correctly, when Ross Ulbricht was arrested for running the world's first underground online drug marketplace called the Silk Road. Now, it wasn't just for drugs. There were some other things that you could get there. Sorry, you mean the the first free online market? What do you mean? Well, it was unregulated by anybody in any oh, way, yeah, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, free market. Well, Free market. Yeah. yeah, it certainly wasn't regulated by the government, but Ross Ulbricht, the ostensible operator, and admitted, I guess, operator, although he says he didn't run the thing the whole time, Yeah, uh, but he was the creator of it. He did admit to that in his court case, which I thought was a huge mistake. Well, we know um, for a minute the feds were running it, so... That is definitely true. Um, so Ross put this website online, and he did specify certain categories of things were unwelcome. So, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Self-regulation. Yeah, child pornography, for instance, and poisons, I believe, were the two items that, uh, categories, if you will. Yeah, you can't not, sell strychnine. We're not welcome. You know, that uh, kind of thing. You can sell drugs, yeah. uh, but not, like, specific poison. Obviously, you can kill yourself with heroin if you, you do enough of it, but it's not the intention, necessarily. So uh, that was busted in 2013, and Ross has been in prison ever since. Yeah. Apparently, there's a financial component that is rather large. $183 million, and they call it, quote-unquote, restitution. (laughs) Restitution to no victims. To the government, apparently. There there were no victims in the Ross Ulbricht case. Every transaction that happened on the Silk Road was completely voluntary. That's right. And so there were no victims. So uh, the meaning of this restitution isn't. uh, It's a false term that the government uses to say, hey, should you ever happen to come into any money? It's ours. We're just going to take it, which turns out happened. Yeah, so the story from Wired, Ross Ulbricht, the convicted creator of the legendary Silk Road dark web market for drugs, has never gotten much mercy from the U.S. legal system. In 2015, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and that's a nice way of saying double life sentence plus 40 years. Yeah. Uh, his appeal was denied, as was the pardon that he sought from President Trump. But a little over a year ago, it appears Ulbricht finally got a break of a different kind. The nine-figure debt that he owed, quote-unquote, to the U.S. government as part of his sentence will be erased, all thanks to the fortuitous hoarding of a hacker who had stolen a massive trove of Bitcoins from his marketplace. I was calling in tonight to raise awareness about a situation in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. There is a sole YouTuber who is also a combat veteran for the last two years, has been uh, uncovering quite a bit of corruption. His YouTube channel is called Lincoln Square Leonidas. I have no affiliation with it other than just being binge-watching his videos. And uh, he's a libertarian, and he definitely deserves a lot of support and awareness. He's uncovered real estate fraud uh, in the hundreds of millions of dollars that reaches all of the levels of government. He's uncovered pedophilia scandals. Um, in this time, he's had attempts made on his life. And uh, he keeps fighting, and his videos are absolutely hilarious when he is exposing these corrupt uh, corrupt officials. So cool. I just uh, think he's a fellow freedom fighter. So what's happening to this guy? Be- Are they targeting him? Yeah, absolutely. They're all the prosecutors and the judges. They're all in the uh, you know, they're all involved with this uh, 
really intricate racket that involves hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate uh, frauds, and uh, they're going after him. They're stacking up charges, and he is uh, he is uh, taking on. He's being his own defense. None of the lawyers will take on his cases, so he's having to learn, um, you know, yeah. how to uh, how to defend himself and learn all the legal ice. And he, but he's doing a really good job of exposing these people and learning everything and putting it all into digestible content on his YouTube channel, exposing them. Back to Ross Ulbricht in exchange for his agreement to waive any ownership he might have of these bitcoins that the government recovered from an unknown hacker, or at least they're not saying who. A portion of them, so a very small portion, I imagine, because again, the bitcoins have more than 10x yeah. uh, since that time, they're 100x uh, from what they were. They're going to pay off his restitution or his fine in its entirety. Quote, the parties agree that the net proceeds realized from the sale of the bitcoins forfeited pursuant to this agreement shall be credited toward any unpaid balance of the money judgment. Reads a court filing from last year using the phrase money judgment to refer to Ulbricht's 2015 restitution order. The document filed in February of 2021 is signed by both Ulbricht and David Countryman a prosecutor in the Asset Forfeiture Unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Northern District of California. The Department of Justice did not respond to requests for comment. So just back to my theory of what's going on and why the government would sort of do this kind of thing and why they had to get Ulbricht to sign a thing. I think they needed his help. I think they needed his help to help prove that this ha- that this hacker... Um, stole from the whatever wall one of the wallets that the silk road was connected to mm-hmm. i've been speaking out on social media and um on facebook um uh concerning my um concerning my name has been um uh, sold to uh true finder and it says underneath there a government true finder true, true finder you can do a ba- yeah on uh you can do a background check uh and my face my my son's face is on there and but it's showing that is the government watch list and uh it shows that uh that i'm on the government watch list to uh okay. and then it has his face and his uh he's 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 in his 30s and has his face and his girlfriend's face and they want them to look at his gun and drug charges hmm. which we both have the same name and uh and these are uh, uh those are the things that they are using to justify uh, of contact and Muslim uh, informants and uh, ex-drug dealers to confront me. And then they uh, these detectives end up taking pictures and then use that because they're trying to dest- destroy my case, which they already have, uh, to get attorney to Okay, I'm already police. lost here, Sambat. I, you, you, you started out talking about Truthfinder, which appears to be a yes. public information website uh, where you can yes. look people up. And then, of course, I'm sure they want you to pay to get you know, the full profile or whatever. So and, you believe uh, this, that the government detectives are going yeah. into your house while you're not home? Well, I'm not home. And, and how did you discover that that was the case? Because my documents are missing. And well, not that's only not that, proof of anything, missing, is it? That's proof that maybe somebody went into your home, but it might not have been the government. It could have been anybody, right? Or no, maybe you just misplaced no, them. I mean, you sound a little no, no, scattered no. to me. Detectives are being dispatched after I found out my document has been uh, taken. My neighbors well, are. What all, evidence uh, do you have of that? Uh, it's all in my. Uh, it's all, all in my your witnesses. head. That's correct. My name. You, no, you no, were no, honest no, there for my, just a moment. My witness. Yeah. I didn't say head. I said my witnesses. 
is just trying to yeah. get my witnesses. But you don't have any witnesses. On my behalf. I do. It's my neighbors. You, you, your neighbors, neighbors are saying in, that they saw strange men or detectives go into no, your they home? Saw, they, yes, they saw detectives going on my property and, and, and uh, not so much going to my house, but going in my, on my property when I wasn't home. But I can prove I can prove all this. All I need is a federal attorney to take my case. That's well, good I luck, need, but, Sambot. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to find it uh, because, number one, attorneys aren't cheap. Uh, number two, a lot of them don't like to take on the government. How does a guy sentenced to double life plus 40, 40 years yeah. plus 40 years, how does a guy while incarcerated earn $183 million, enough to pay off his, quote, restitution, unquote, that the, the government has mandated he pay? Well, according to this Wired story, they caught a hacker. And that hacker had hacked the Silk Road, which was Ross's website, mm -hmm. for billions of dollars worth of crypto now. What is now worth billions, but in the past was probably a couple hundred million. Uh, and they came to him and said, hey, look, sign this thing. Just say you won't claim any of these coins and we'll consider your debt paid. So just, I just want to sort of put a fine point on this, that this type of a scenario is not possible, near as I can tell. With USD, with regular dollar. dollars. Like if somebody had broken into Ross's apartment mm -hmm. and opened up his safe and stole, you know, $1,000 in greenbacks in USD, FRNs, Federal Reserve Notes, the common dollar, right? That later on, if the police bust the guy who broke into Ross's apartment and somehow recover that exact $1,000, it's only going to be worth a thousand dollars. It's yeah, not going true. to have in the course of nine years or whatever it's been since it occurred. It's not going to have ten x in value. Yeah. The surprise deal to cancel his restitution may have may, uh, been made simply to smooth out any impediment to the government's massive financial seizure, said a researcher and computer scientist at UC Berkeley, Nick Weaver. Weaver's closely followed Ulbricht's case for years and even proved Ulbricht's bitcoins could be traced to the Silk Road during his trial. Quote, this was a way for the government not to have to deal with pointless legal hassles during the forfeiture process. He says, arguing that Ulbricht could have found an attorney to fight against and delay the seizure in return for a fraction of any potential reward. Quote, I'm certain Ross Ulbricht could have gotten a lawyer on a contingency basis to challenge the forfeiture simply because a 2% chance of winning would still be a multi-hundred million dollar payout right. for the attorney. Yeah. Quote, the strange series of events that ultimately led to his restitution windfall first came to light in November of 2020 when the Justice Department announced it had seized nearly 70,000 bitcoins from someone that they referred to only as Individual X. That unnamed individual, according to an IRS criminal investigations affidavit, had stolen the Bitcoin fortune from the Silk Road while it was still online and exploiting by exploiting a security vulnerability in the site. Ulbricht, according to the affidavit, went so far as to threaten Individual X personally in an attempt to persuade them to return the money, but instead the individual held onto the hoard of coins for more than seven years as the crypto appreciated massively in value. You know, remember the story when uh, that Congress guy was like playing footsie with the dude underneath the bathroom stall and they busted him for like trying to have sex with some congressional aide, right. yeah. in another another man uh, in the bathroom. And again, he was one of these dumb gays or bad gays. Bad. Turns out one he's of those. gay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's that story all over again. Huh. We can get into that coming up here uh, in moments. Otherwise, I'm with you, Captain. I don't care if you wear lingerie. Do whatever I you want.
I I mean, it'd probably be more fun if he wore it to like Congress, you know, whenever he was doing fun. his job. I just want to say something real quick about Russell. Brooke yeah, I want, and, there's more to and, say about and that. his Bitcoin. I'm just curious now. Let's just say he gets a job in the prison where he's at. You know, right. I don't know. He's making license plates or doing dishes or serving slop or whatever he's yeah. doing, right? And he's making. I know you don't make diddly squat fifty cents an hour, fifty cents an, okay, a day or so, something. So let's let's say he makes twenty bucks a week, right? Just for mm-hmm. a nice round number to yeah. to imagine. Let's imagine he makes twenty bucks a week, and that's you know more than enough to you know. Let's just say that's profit. His twenty bucks a week. Okay. He's got all his expenses covered, right? Now he can give that up. Now that his debt is satisfied, his restitution is satisfied with this deal with this seized Bitcoin. Uh, I wonder if he can give that money to like a relative, for example. I don't know who said it. Um, I know Lynn, his mom, gave credit to somebody at some Bitcoin convention years ago for this, but I'll always remember it was a great quote that uh, there are two people, the most important two people to Bitcoin are Satoshi Nakamoto and Ross Ulbricht, one and two. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. And, uh, you know, with any luck, if you uh, if things go wrong at your trial, you can end up being his cellmate. (laughs) I don't think they do that. They generally keep people away from one another. I don't know if I'd call that luck. Yeah, I mean, okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been I've been trying to get on his uh, visitor list for a long time. But they uh, the covid, you know, you can't visit Mm -hmm. him in prison. But I've been thinking about taking a. Like a road trip with James down to uh, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, where he's housed, and hmm. just say hello. You know, I just want to say thank you, TJ, for doing those types of things, for you know, writing to him and you know the correspondence, things of that nature. I I don't oh, do sure. that kind of stuff, but I'm certain that if I were in Ross's shoes and somebody were writing to me, I would appreciate it. Well, did he write you back? Oh yes, uh, we we have an ongoing correspondence, and Great. so I uh, I keep all of his letters that he writes to me. But I, you know, going back about two years. Fantastic! Thank you for doing that. I, I think that uh, I've had communications with Ross in the past, but now that I'm under federal bail conditions, it's probably against the rules. I know they don't well, allow people who are in dif- different facilities to write to one another. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. When it comes to government seizing property, particularly if drugs are involved, yeah. agencies like the DEA will generally retain those proceeds to fund their department or their investigations or what have you. That's right. So there might be something to that because think of that payday for that agency. Oh, yeah. Considering all that's involved here. If they didn't want to wait for that money, you know, they'd have to make sure that all the T's and are crossed and I's are dotted before they could actually transduce that BTC legally into USD and fund whatever it is they wanted to fund. Right. So that's the story is that they wanted to clear the way legally and just make sure that Ross couldn't call into question this seizure, try to put some sort of claim on these funds, even though he wouldn't have succeeded with that because... 
obviously the funds were the you know the proceeds of alleged crime even though we don't think that's crime to run a website a free market website the federal government certainly does and that's what he was convicted of right so i don't think he would have been successful at any kind of claim on those funds but just to avoid the entire procedure they said all right well sign this paper just signs it over to us confirms that you don't have any claim on it and we'll waive the 183 million we'll, we'll consider it paid now, of course, he's still sitting in prison for the rest of his life, plus another life sentence, plus 40 years. And his mom is still fighting to get him out from behind bars. I don't follow who these Congress critters are. Yeah, I, I don't know one from the other for the most part. I could not have told you who Madison Cawthorn, which is a really strange first name for a man, but Madison. Uh, What's his last name? Cawthorn. Cawthorn? C-A-W-T-H-O-R-N. Like Hawthorne with a C. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have known him from Adam. I don't know who these people are. But what I saw in the news over the last, I don't know, two days, it popped up over on uh, Drudge Report from Politico.com, exclusive. Madison Cawthorn photos reveal him wearing women's lingerie in a public setting. Now, I don't care what you want to wear. I don't care who you want to party with or what you're doing. As long as everybody's consenting. Yeah. As long you, as you're not hurting anybody, I could yeah, care less. You can put on whatever lingerie you want to, take whatever photos you want to, sell them, give them away. I don't care. But when you're a politician and you make a name for yourself about how conservative and prim and proper and Christian and blah, blah, blah that you are. And then you go and you do this. I want to talk about it because I find that particularly interesting. I find that particularly hypocritical. Oh, very much from characters like this. And this keeps on happening. Cawthorn was paralyzed apparently from the waist down as a passenger in a car accident in Florida in 2014. In recent months, has called Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky a thug which he's not wrong about that, suggested teetotaling Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi as a drinking problem, probably also true, and racked up a collection of traffic transgressions, including speeding, driving with expired tags, and driving with a revoked license. Don't care. I don't care what he does as far as, you know, speeding or whatever. Everybody speeds. He has court dates in May and June. Politico could not independently verify the photos, which are screenshots of the original images. They were provided by a person formerly close to Cawthorn and his campaign, a second person formerly close to him confirmed the origin of the photos. The date they were taken is unclear, though they appear to show him sitting in a wheelchair, indicating the event happened after his accident. In the photos, he's wearing a distinctive pendant necklace that appeared in other images and videos of Cawthorn, and his spokesman did not respond. However, Cawthorn has now tweeted and basically admitted that these things are real, because he could have denied it, right? Oh, it's a Photoshop. Mm-hmm. He admitted it. He said the photos were taken of him during a game on a cruise before he was elected to Congress. Quote, I guess the left thinks goofy vacation photos during a game on a cruise taken way before I ran for Congress is somehow going to hurt me. They're running out of things to throw at me. Share your most embarrassing vacation pics in the replies. I immediately discount anybody who works for any government entity when they bring up the words ethics and morals. Yep. You're immediately discounted. Because it is immoral to be a politician and And run the government. (laughs) And the government is an organization of violence. It is, even as Barack Obama admitted, a monopoly on violence. And and it's not just that it's an organization of violence, right? That, like, when when people say it's an organization, like, 
lay people, people who've never heard anybody say that before, will go, well, so that's one of many organizations that are based on, no, actually, it's the only one. It's the apex it's, one. It's the only organization type government that is based solely on violence. Not only that, though. Like, that's bad enough if you think about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's an organization that's based on violence. Government as an organization type, a per- people organization type, is responsible for all of the most heinous, largest, inhumane things ever done to people. Yes. Like, if you, you go, I mean, war. Hundreds of millions dead. Hundreds of millions. In just the 20th century. Yeah. 262 million, I yeah. think, is the democide statistic. Yep. That in and of itself, should be enough for anybody to look at it and go, oh, okay, guys, uh, we should just go ahead and abolish this as a human organization type. I lived in Seattle, Washington for 22 years before moving to New Hampshire about three years ago. And so I got to see what happens when a state government legalizes recreational marijuana. Here's what happens. Uh, they regulate the crap out of it. They take roughly half of everybody's income at every stage of the process. So with if it's the growers, they take like 40%. If it's the distributors, they take like 44%. And then the retailers, they take like another 40%. Uh, they force them to behave uh, with the rules that are already in place for alcohol. Now, these are two different substances completely. Uh, and so they shouldn't be forced to conform to uh, rules for a different substance, first and foremost. S- ignoring all of that, however, it is my personal philosophy that drugs should have never become illegal. People seek them out, whether they're legal or illegal. And it is a very presumptive stance for an organization of violence to take to think that they know how to live a life that isn't theirs better than anybody else. Now, I make my own personal decisions. If there is a drug that I want to take, I take it, whether or not it's legal in the eyes of the government. Uh, and many people across the globe have done so for hundreds, thousands, millions of years even. We market personal care and home care But there's products. a billion of these companies that do that. I mean, whether well, it's yes, our our company though is mostly natural product ingredients. We're not like other products that have formaldehydes and chemicals <laughs> in the product. All right, so here's what I want to know, Richard: Are you a uh, one of the affiliates of this company? Are you a signed up to sell? These products, whatever they call it, they they, they have some uh, name for it, right? Like uh, independent marketing associate or something. something like that. Well, I I run into people and tell them about our company, how it is structured. Yes, yes, we understand how that works, but you didn't answer my question. So my question for you is. Or, I mean, it sounds like you are, but I'm just wanting to clarify because Sarah, she'll say one thing and then she'll say something else. She doesn't really seem to know or she doesn't want to be honest about it or whatever. I'm not really sure. But uh, it, it didn't sound like Sarah is the person who signed up for this this product or this company. It sounds like it's no. you. You're the person who signed up. Are you a distributor for this network marketing company? Uh, we do not distribute. Melaleuca is the name of the company. 
And I remember when I looked it up, because there's a really great website called Behind MLM, where they do in-depth reviews of a lot of these companies. It's clearly written by somebody who has had a lot of experience in the business and they've got you know a lot of expertise on how to uh, you know break apart one of the compensation plans and opinions about the products and what they're offering whether it's just a straight up scam or there's actually a legitimate opportunity and uh, i remember when i looked for it there it didn't really jump out as one of the obvious scams so the, so as far as companies go they've been around for a long time that's yeah. usually a, a better sign that they're not a total scam from top to bottom but that doesn't mean that this is necessarily uh, like you said captain the right opportunity uh for any given person it is incredibly difficult to do network marketing you have to be very good at sales and you also have to not really care about burning every single bridge that you possibly have in your in your personal yeah. life. And what I don't like about the MLM industry as a whole is that, generally speaking, to get started, you have to market to people your, you know, your friends and family, your yeah. your your circle, whatever that means to you. And boy, do they get tired of that. And yeah, so you, by nature of the beast, must alienate your inner circle it really creeps me out because every employer i have ever worked for full-time anyway has tried to turn me into a salesperson even though i got into technology and doing like tech support and uh you know all sorts of uh you know we'll call it telephony programming that kind of stuff i got into these things because i didn't want to sell but every company that i've ever worked for has approached me on some level and been like you know you'd be pretty good as an account executive and I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, you'd be on our sales team. Mm, nope. Yeah. Like, I'm shutting it down. No, I'm not going to sell for you. Because I I have this problem where uh, I have, oh, I don't know, ethics and morals. And yeah. I just can't shove your product down other people's throats for the benefit of the company, especially if I know that you're not going to be able to keep my promises that I make to other people. Yeah. Salespeople without ethics and morals do a lot better. They do. <laughs> they do. It's true. Um, so I, I asked a few more questions of Richard just to kind of, cause again, I know that I know the business. And so I, I asked him about, you know, what level of distributor he is. He said, he's just the initial, right? So he's just the first level or whatever they call that. And he's been involved for a year and a half. He's got six people in his downline, he says, but what it wasn't clear was whether it was their distributors or they're just buying. And so I suspect that just means they're customers, but it wasn't, wasn't real clear. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.